Good morning. Hope you guys had a safe and wonderful week and weekend. And uh, we got it. Uh, you know, I had to go to a wedding. Uh, it was a three-day wedding. So it was a nice little break for me. I enjoyed it. Much needed vacation. And uh, back to the uh, grind. We got great questions this week, guys. And we also have five new members I'd like to welcome. Um, we got Kaylee, Fahad, uh, Jasua. I hope I didn't murder your name. Uh, Vencius and Alan. So welcome them. And also, guys, for the new members, please go in the group and introduce yourself. Uh, this program is... Uh, as much as learning, as much as it's for networking. So uh, please go out and introduce yourself and get to know one another. And we'll wait a few more seconds for you guys to join. We got uh, we get the program started. Logan's here with me. He's going to read off the questions. And uh, good morning, Amin. Amin seems to be the only one I can read his name. Nobody else post their names. They say Facebook user, Facebook user, Facebook user. <laughs> yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, so for all of our new members, for Manny and us to see your name, go ahead and click streamyard.com forward slash Facebook, the link at the top of the live stream. And then it'll take you through one or two steps. Uh, super simple to connect your Facebook. That way yep. we can see your name on our end and you're not showing as Facebook user. Thank you, Logan. All right. Again, you know, we have five new members. For those of you that just hopped on, I wanted to welcome them to the group. Uh, we got Kaylee, Fahad, Josia, uh, Vencius, and Alan. Welcome to the program. I'm happy to have you guys, and I hope you guys go out and network with everybody else in the program and find it very helpful in your uh, real estate ventures. Yeah, so we're excited to have y'all. And then we have uh, Georges hopping in. Good morning to you. Good morning, Robin, Amin, Gregory. Ayadi, Arash, Kusha. Kusha's hitting the double header. Um, Arash has two good mornings. Good morning to all of you guys. Good morning. All right, let's get started. Uh, cool. So we have our first question from David, and he asked, mm. so he prefaced, I have a question regarding selling the roofs of your buildings to put cell towers. Question number one, how do you value how much you can sell it for, and how do you find a buyer? And then he followed up, is there a marketplace to list it? Great question. Um, well, putting new cell tower on your roof is very, very difficult. Um, it's not difficult, it's uh, probably unrealistic because the most carriers now have enough coverage that don't need new rooftops unless a new town, new development uh, that's being built. Uh, but if you do have a building that's got existing towers on it, um, how do you evaluate how much you can sell it for? Depending on the carrier, like Verizon gets the uh, you know highest price uh, out of the other three or four. Um, I last sold my Verizon for 5.8 cap. And uh, so if you take the income of uh, your yearly income you get from the rooftop and you divide that by 0.058, it'll tell you how much lump sum check you're going to receive. It's a 5.8 cap. Now, it's important to note the term of the lease also dictates how much you're going to get. If there is only two years left with no option, which is very rare, uh, typically these carriers, when they sign on a rooftop, it's like a 30 to 40 year. So it's every five years they keep renewing. So there's 
multiple options. Uh, reason being is it's very expensive to put the equipment on the roof, get it permitted. So their upfront cost is huge. That's why they want to have a 30, 40, 50 year uh, lease options. But if the carrier is Verizon versus Metro PCS or some other local carrier, you can expect to pay probably six and a half, you know, get six and a half, seven cap if it's a, a not a major carrier. But that's how you do it. Uh, where would you go? Uh, definitely sell tower brokers. Uh, they know all the carriers. They know the buyers uh, who's actively buying and who's more aggressively buying. So go through a broker. All I right. know I answer all your questions. And, uh, and guys, in your commercial masterclass program, if you go to the uh, resources and form section, there's a resource in there with a lot of Manny's connections, networks, mm. and recommended companies, and you'll find the cell tower broker in that document. Yeah. His name is Lawrence. All right. Next question from Wajtech. He said, I know you mentioned you didn't own apartments for a while, but I wanted to get your opinion on renting to Section 8 tenants. Hmm. Great question. Well, Section 8 is basically uh, funded by government, um, HUD, uh, and you they typically pay 90% of the tenant's rent. So for that reason, it's basically guaranteed money because the government cuts you a check. Uh, tenant pays very small portion of it and you get to charge higher rent than market. I remember when I had section eight, this is early, uh, you know, late nineties. Um, you know, I was charging like, you know, 10% on average more than the market rent. So if I had a, a regular tenant pay me a thousand for a studio apartment, uh, I would rent a section eight for 1100, but there is other cons and problems that comes with section eight. Uh, the big one is you're going to be inspected and monitored by the government. So there is section eight hot inspectors, uh, that come over with multiple page inspection report that the property has to qualify. In other words, um, it's not a slam dunk. You gotta have proper HVAC, uh, roof in good condition, um, kitchen, all this stuff. I mean, they actually go through the entire property. It's like seven or eight page inspection report. Uh, what I encourage you to do because it's changed since 30 years ago when I had section eight, just Google section eight, hot section eight, uh, inspection requirements, uh, or property requirement. And I am guarantee you, you'll get, uh, you know, multiple, uh, links where you can go ahead, check the, you know, the checklist. Uh, what to do uh, to your property to qualify. But definitely, it's a great way to increase cash flow and be guaranteed your cash flow. So I love Section 8. Awesome. Next question is from Tanya. Um, she said, do you recommend doing a cash out refinance on a currently owned property to prepare financially for a recession? I have equity on my duplex, but I know my mortgage on that yeah. property will increase by doing that. 100%. Well, you want to do a cash out refinance when the market is up, not when the market's down. What happens on a declining market, the banks will tighten their requirement. They'll put, uh, you know, lower appraisal appraisers will put lower value. Um, the comps are declining. So they, it's not to your advantage to do a cash out refinance when the market's, you know, correcting. It's to your advantage to take money off the table when the market's going up. Uh, terms of mortgage increasing, well, it's, yeah, it, that's the obvious. If you borrow a hundred thousand, now you're going to owe a hundred thousand more. 
but rates are so low and lenders are still aggressively renting, I mean, loaning on uh, residential properties. So I would say definitely do it now than later. And all right, so the cost of opportunity is what you're paying the extra interest for. And this way you have liquidity to take advantage of it when it presents itself. Awesome. And then she followed up with another question asking, what is your estimate, Manny, and timing for us to begin to see a shift in the market? Hmm, crystal ball. <laughs> uh, you know, I was wrong when COVID hit. Uh, I definitely thought me and, uh, you know, millions of others thought the market's going to crash. Definitely residential because people were out of a job. And when you're out of a job with nearly no saving on average household, uh, you know, uh, homeowners, you know, you would think they would default. But the government has stepped in very quickly and provided liquidity checks and as well as dropped the interest rate one and a half percent. So it was uh, the punch bowl was on. And where, what do you think is going to happen next? I think 2022, you're going to start seeing a lot of office buildings come to market distressed. I'm already seeing it. And then 2023, I think when you're going to see the housing and uh, you know other asset classes correct so eventually we will see a correction uh, because the market has gone up too high too soon and the economy doesn't really support it it's been artificially lifted by stimulus all right next question from mozzie he said aside from a down payment what other cash should we have prepared and ready um, do we need rehab costs or can we get that financed as well? And what would be a good estimate or range of cash I should have on hand investing in California, including the down payment? All right. Um, Mozzie, that's a great question. Uh, well, obviously back to how much money you need to buy in California, depends where in California and what asset class, but uh, how much money do you need aside from buying the property? Well, you know, during your due diligence, when you're looking to acquire a property, you're going to get your property condition report, PCR, and that's going to tell you what are the immediate needs on the physical inspection uh, report. That's how much you need to budget immediately. So let's just say there is a, a leaking pipe on the second floor. Let's just say that your roof is leaking and it's past the use, useful life, which is typically 20 years you know, for a uh, office, you know, uh, building roof. And they're recommending you put a brand new roof uh, and fix the pipe. And it's going to cost 100,000 bucks first 12 months. Well, you got to put that $100,000 in your budget. Uh, and then when you do your uh, walkthrough with a leasing broker, and I'm assuming this building is going to be distressed, mismanaged, and it's 50% occupied. And the leasing broker is going to say, well, these vacancies are awful. You got to bring them to, you know, turnkey by turnkey means, uh, tear out the, uh, you know, unnecessary demising walls, open it up, paint it, put new ceiling grid, new led lights and new flooring. And now it's white box, which is turnkey, you know, uh, what they call it. And he's going to tell you, you're going to have to budget 50 bucks a foot. The building's 10,000 feet. That's 5,000 vacancy. And now you got to put 250,000 bucks. Uh, for uh, TILC uh, or TIs. So now you need 350 grand. On top of that, 
you want to definitely reserve for six months of your uh, PITI, Principal Interest Tax Insurance, is what we call it, PITI. And uh, usually the lender will uh, take that into effect because if it's 50% occupied, you're likely dealing with a bridge lender and they will go ahead, fund the reserves and they'll go ahead, debit the payment from the reserve account. But in long story short, if it's 70, 75% occupancy, you're going through a regular lender, you definitely want to reserve for six months of interest, property tax, and insurance. Did I have any other questions left from Mozzie? Um, no, that, that about answered it. Oh, how much money do you need to buy in California? Um, I mean, there are deals you can get in at three and a half, four million bucks, depending where. Anaheim, Garden Grove, Stanton, Orange. Uh, I've seen deals as uh, small as three million. So 30% down, that's 900 grand. Figure another 300 grand for reserves improvements. So around 1.2 to one and a half million, you could you know, start in California, Orange County. Again, I don't know, California is a big state. So I don't know if you're Northern California, Southern, or uh, where you're specifically located. All right, so next question from our new member, Fahad. He said, how do you know where to apply for your loan? Is it easier to get approved for an SBA loan rather than a bank loan? No. So uh, where do you find a good loan? Through a loan broker. Loan brokers are actively funding loans, uh, many loans. So they know who's in the market, who's aggressive, uh, which bank has too much cash sitting on their balance sheet, and they're being more aggressive than other banks, uh, versus you walking into B of A or Wells Fargo or you know, Farmers Merchant Bank, whoever you bank with, it's better to go through a loan broker. But I do encourage if you have a relationship with a small community bank, uh, they're likely to do a better deal for you, um, like we did one uh, in the Wisconsin property. Or I've done one with Infinity Bank, my local bank. Um, I have, they gave me an unsecured line of credit, which was amazing. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, leverage your relationship that you already have. If you don't have a relationship with a local bank, then I would definitely uh, try the loan broker. And what was the other question? Um, so is it easier is, for SBA? Yes. Is it easier for to get approved for SBA rather than a bank loan? No. SBA, again, it's like Section 8. So more requirement, more regulations. Uh, it will take a much longer time to fund SBA loan. Uh, the beauty is, is 90%, up to 90% financing and versus your traditional loan, you can only leverage, you know, 75% uh, LTV. So that means you need to come in with more down payment. Uh, the other uh, cons of SBA is prepayment penalty. Um, you have a 10-year prepayment penalty on the SBA portion of your loan. And that usually is not great for flipping a property. So um, it's typically, you know, you want to use the SBA if you're really going to occupy the property uh, for several years. Uh, that's the only time I would use it, like I use it for this building. All right. And then can you clarify the qualifications for an SBA loan? Yeah. So on SBA loan, your business has to qualify, not you. Your business has to qualify to buy a property that your business is going to op uh, occupy and operate. So what they're going to look for is how much rent you've been paying on your tax return for past three years. If you've been paying 60000 a year and your PITI in this new building is going to be, you know, uh, 150000 a year, 
and your income on your business is only $30,000 net for the past three years, well, you don't qualify because there's not enough cash flow to, you know, to absorb the debt service on the new property. Now, if you're occupying 50% and the other 50% uh, is multi other uh, tenants that cover that shortfall, then you're fine. So it all depends, but there is definitely a very, uh, you know, comprehensive underwriting that they're going to do on your business to see if you can, your business can actually absorb, you know, those, uh, uh, the, the payments on the property. That's really in the nuts and bolts of it. You're, they're going to look at your business tax returns. Um, of course, personally, if you've had two other failed businesses, bankruptcies that will affect it, but in a nutshell, they're going to see how much is your business, uh, going to, you know, basically, um, uh, suffer, you know, on the cash flow by increasing the, uh, the rent expense versus your new mortgage. All right. And then once again, guys, in your commercial masterclass members area under resources, there is a document with uh, any referrals on uh, brokers, contractors, vendors that you're going to be working with, including loan brokers. So you can go refer to that in the members area as well. Um, next question from Vince. He said, have you had much experience with buyers agents? And if so, mm -hmm. what is your advice and what should we be mindful of? Well, right now, um, most uh, investors are buying things direct. Um, you know, I'm a broker myself, but I go in as a principal because listing agents don't want to deal with buyer's brokers. But what do you ask a buyer broker? Well, ask for a bio on the buyer, get some feedback on, hey, are they syndicating, raising money? Are they in 1031 exchange? Uh, where is proof of fund? Uh, those are some of the simple questions you want to ask. You definitely don't want a, uh, a buyer's broker that is trying to buy it with a buyer. And I've seen that happen. And they want to tie the property up and then go out, raise money with investors. And that's the worst case scenario. You want to make sure you avoid that. So uh, those are the questions you want to ask. All right. And then Vince followed up and said, also, it seems as though most of the good off-market deals are passed on to buyer's agents first. So how can we be aware of these opportunities? Um, not necessarily. Um, if you get into the, uh, email circulation of, you know, the top brokerage firms, uh, CB Richard Ellis, Marcus Malachap, JJL, uh, as a principal, you register. That's the first thing they're going to do an email blast on a new listing. They won't put it on the market. Typically they'll send it through all the principal emails they have, and that's your deal flow. Um, so they don't necessarily send it to a buyer's agent. Hey, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's a relationship ba based between two brokers working at the same firm. And hey, they're at a company meeting and say, hey, so and so I just sold this building. Do you have anything coming up? He's like, yep, I'm getting a $10 million listing. It's perfect. And I'm never going to see that. Even me, I'm not going to see that. That's going to be swapped between the same firm between their clients. Uh, but typically register as a principal on these sites and you'll start getting deal flow. All right. Next question from David Leiter. He said, please explain the one to 1000 ratio for parking for offices. Is this one space for every 1000 square foot of mm -hmm. office space? And then also, is it the same for small retail centers or is it different? 
Great question. Yes, the ratio is correct. Uh, the ratio is not correct. For office, it's typically three per thousand. So uh, if you have a thousand square feet suite, you got to make sure you have three parking spots for it. That's how it works. Uh, for retail, is higher. It's usually four to five per thousand. And then medical, uh, you know, requires the highest, as far as I know, uh, seven to one in some cases. But every city is different, so you got to check with the city. But uh, typically, you know, one per thousand is for manufacturing um, uh, or or storage. They typically don't need parking, right? If it's manufacturing, it's all machinery in there. Um, and then flex space and industrial is two per thousand, and office is three per thousand. And then it goes up to retail and then medical. Awesome. Uh, so now we have a question from Zaran. He said, would you walk us through the next few steps after you purchase a building, mm -hmm. for example, out of state in Texas? Well, yeah, obviously upon closing, you're going to send tenant notice letters to all the tenants uh, on paper, introduce yourself and instruct them where to send the rent payment. And then, but immediately you want to go to the property, I would say within a few days and, uh, uh, by then, I'm assuming you've already hired your local property manager or person with boot, boots on the ground. And you want to walk into every tenant, introduce yourself, and introduce the new property manager. At this point, the tenants probably have uh, known about you or met you through tenant interviews, uh, even if it's on a phone. Um, because by this time, it's been probably three months, right? Uh, that's the most important part, building the relationship with your tenants and explaining to them what is your objective in the next 12 months. And obviously by then you got your ducks in a row, what are you going to do to the property, whether it's painting the monument sign, replacing their carpet, uh, upgrading signage on the property, resurfacing the parking lot, putting a new roof on, um, during tenant interviews, you're going to be asking tenants what issues they've had at the building. You want to make sure you correct those issues when you meet the tenant because you look at your notes. Uh, it's really nuts and bolts of it is making an introduction and being transparent what you're going to do to the property and how you're going to add value and make the property more pleasant uh, for their occupancy. And then you want to meet, obviously, second phase is implementing your plan and uh, meeting up with vendors, getting multiple bids, um, and a scheduling the work. Awesome. And then that's a great segue to his next question on how did you gather contractors and other vendors to do the work? Mm -hmm. um, how did you find them, do all the calling, et cetera? Yeah, your best source, uh, to be frank, is the listing broker. Leasing broker, not listing. Um, listing brokers don't do nothing on the properties, but leasing brokers, they're constantly getting, uh, you know, LOIs from, uh, you know, prospective tenants or their brokers, and they're getting bids uh, typically for TIs. Uh, based on my experience, they know which vendors, contractors, uh, GC firms are coming in lower in bids, and they're performing quick, and they have adequate staff for that size of a job. Uh, that's where I get most of my stuff. Locally here, um, I've built, you know, the relationship between, you know, from anywhere from handyman to larger construction companies because I've been doing a lot of improvements locally. But out of a state is assuming, I'm assuming what you're asking, it would be the leasing broker. 
All right. And we got a question from Eric Regal. Mm-hmm. He said, in one of your previous live calls, I heard that you don't like investing in Ohio and Pennsylvania as much as Texas and Arizona mm-hmm. because the returns on your investment haven't been as good. Um, and then in August, I saw on one of your Instagram posts that you purchased a property in Wisconsin. So what was different about the property in Wisconsin that made you invest there instead of Texas or Arizona? I'm curious because I live in Wisconsin. Yeah, the biggest uh, consideration for me was a CBS. It was on the corner of a property. Uh, they pay very good rent and they got multiple options uh, to renew. And they're buying it at a high cap rate. So out parceling the CVS would pay uh, more than what we paid for the entire property. So it was a no brainer. And great news, uh, you know, we got that approved by the city uh, last week. So we're uh, on our way to uh, out parcel that property. All right. And then we have a question from Ali. He said, I'm looking at a 50,000 square foot medical office building with an average unit size of 1500 square feet, uh, many small tenants Mm -hmm. and some as small as 500 square feet. All leases are gross, which hurts the cash flow badly since most expenses are on the landlord. Mm -hmm. Converting the leases to triple net might also make the building uncompetitive to others in the area. Yep. Is it normal for these buildings to be on gross lease? Would you prefer buildings with many tiny tenants or a handful of large tenants, each occupying a larger space? Mm-hmm. And which one is more common in medical buildings? Okay, so is a medical office, medical... Uh, uh, medical office. Medical office, yeah. Um, well, first of all, that's completely normal uh, for those uh, small size units in an office, uh, medical building, you're going you're gonna to get a gross lease. You're not going to get a triple net lease. But what you could do, you could turn those into modified gross leases. Modified gross lease basically means you're going to have a base here for a tenant. And you could do that at every renewal. If a tenant's month to month, you could squeeze that in there. They're going to be very likely fine with it. Uh, the only case they're going to get hit with a higher uh, rent is when you sell the building or your operating cost goes above what their base here is. Um it's totally typical. I actually like, uh, you know, those type of tenants because your risk is very diversified. Instead of having a big tenant that occupies 20, 30%, and you're always at the mercy of that tenant uh, when it comes to renewal, uh, period. Yeah. All right. And then um, Robin commented, registered on StreamYard. Let me know if it works. Uh, yes, it does. For everyone who's commented. I see can- you, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> we can see... Let's see. At the top, we see Amin, uh, Stephen, Robin, Ayadi, and Chris. For the rest of the comments, uh, it's all Facebook you, user. Yeah, <laughs> we need you to register to see your name. Um, so we have some questions that have dropped in the comments as well, which we'll go ahead and get to. And first one is going to be from Carmen. Um, so she said, "Manny, could you recommend architects in Orange County, please? Have you ever built a lot from scratch? And any advice would be appreciated." Sure. Uh, yeah, I have a couple of architects I can refer. Um, uh, depends on the project, though. Uh, the architects, I know they're commercial. If you're looking to build a fourplex or a single-family home, I do have another architect for that. So, uh, and then what was the other question? Um, just any advice on building a lot from scratch and if you've ever done it yourself? Uh, no, I've never done. I've done significant improvements on existing structure. I've never built from a scratch. Uh, I am, however, dabbling into it. 
on a property I uh, I own in Mission Viejo. Um, so I have obviously multiple properties, but the one property I got in escrow in Huntsman Beach uh, with Heinz is a huge developer, 100 billion plus company. They want to build senior housing. And then after I see their plans, they submit it to city. I'm like, wow, they're going to take my property from three-story uh, uh, office into this, you know, 130-unit uh, uh, senior housing. And I saw the square footage, all the amenities. So it was pretty fancy, right? So now I have another property. Griffin Living is another senior living developer offered me $7 million bucks on a property that I bought for $3 million and change a few years ago. And they submitted the plan to me. I didn't accept their offer because... After seeing what Heinz is doing to my building in Huntington Beach, I may actually uh, partner with a developer to build my first development. But that's a decision I've made in the past couple of weeks. We're still, uh, you know, toying around with it. But very likely, I'm going to build my first development project. It's going to be a senior living. All right. That's exciting. Um, next question from Ayadi. What are your thoughts on buying a fixer-upper property through a construction loan versus cash? Mm. Yeah, construction loan, you got to be careful. Uh, they're very short-term. Usually, it's, I think, 18 months. Um, and if you ha had any snack with the city, delays, uh, which right now, you know, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of delays out there for supplies, right? Especially if you custom order something, some cabinets or something from China. Good luck. Uh, you could get hit, make sure you have enough sufficient liquidity to cure the construction loan because when those penalties kick in, uh, rates double or triple, I mean, it's scary uh, what your debt service is going to be. All right. And then uh, last question of the day from Chris. Sorry, Chris. Uh, what metrics are you looking for when qualifying a good tenant? A good tenant, I want to make sure they have good financials, very important. Um, I want to make sure when a tenant's coming into my building, how much rent they were paying before, similar to SBA uh, underwriting, right? Uh, a stress test financially, if, can they absorb the additional rent? If they're doubling in size in my building and they're paying half of that to the previous owner. Um, and then also references. Uh, I want at least three references from previous landlords to see if they were a timely paying tenant. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, the use of the business, obviously the type of tenant is extremely important, right? You don't want a, uh, you know, a pain rehab. Uh, you don't want a, you know, uh, like one of those addiction uh, counseling. Uh, I had one on a property was a nightmare. Um, you just attract the wrong type of uh, visitors and it does scare off some quality tenants. Uh, so those are really the basic ones, but most importantly is uh, the use for the property. What are they going to use it for? Can they afford to pay? So you want to check out their financials and you want to make sure they have got good character. So check their references. All right. Well, this was great guys. This is getting better and better and I'm starting to enjoy this more and more. Keep up the good work and you guys have a wonderful week and I'll share with you guys some more on that senior living project in Mission Viejo, maybe next week. Have a good week. See you guys next time.